Welcome to From the View Box with Hal and Chris. This is the podcast of the UMass Medical School Department of Radiology. My name is Hal Lowe from the Division of Emergency Radiology. And I am Christopher Cernelia from Musculoskeletal Imaging. Welcome back to the podcast. For today's episode, we are speaking with my co-host, Christopher Cernelia. Today's uh, episode uh, will be dedicated to the basics of MRI imaging safety. Okay, let's get right into it. Uh, Chris, what is your general approach to the topic of MRI safety? Sure. Um, I think the best way to go about it is to you know take the MRI unit and break it down to like three basic components, um, and that's going to be your, your main magnetic field, um, the uh, gradients um, that are within the uh, bore of the magnet, which will um, spatially encode the MR signal that allows us to, to see what we um, see on our in our PAC system. And then finally, the radio frequency coils, and those are the both the transmit and receive coils. And each of these, um, by themselves and collectively as a unit, um, produce specific, um, unique safety considerations that we will discuss. Okay, great. Um, so what are some uh, specific safety concerns uh, in the MRI suite and can you give us some examples of these safety issues? Well, I think the you know the easiest one to think of is the main magnet. So, the primary uh, main magnetic field is essentially a large coil of, of wires that's round, wrapped around an axis. If you think back to you know your high school uh, physics, um, and when the electrical current is applied to the wire, you produce this you know very uh, powerful magnetic field, and the magnetic fields that we use. Um, in clinical practice are thousands or tens of thousands of times that of um, the magnetic field on, on the surface of the earth. And so in order to produce these uh, magnetic fields, uh, a great degree of um, current is required. And in order for that to be achieved, we need to um, cool or supercool um, the system. And so we, we do this by essentially placing um, the unit into a well-insulated canister or box uh, with liquid helium. And this provides a very um, low resistance, uh, nearly zero electrical resistance for the system and allows it to operate properly. Um, so the main magnetic field, um, the first safety issue we deal with is the, the mere fact that this magnet, in order for it to be operational, um, needs to be in the super cooled condition, and this takes several hours for it to, you know, quote unquote, ramp up, as well as several hours to ramp down. Now, if there's an issue with the cooling system, we can get into an issue of uh, what we call quench, and quench is uh, essentially when the heating of a segment of the electromagnetic coil um, makes them no longer, you know, superconducting, and this essentially allows a heating of the coils and eventually produce um, a rapid change in the, the liquid helium. And that would exchange into uh, a gaseous form. And this is um, what we call a quench. Now, there's safety measures in place that allows the, the gas to escape naturally um, into the atmosphere. Um, this, you know, the room is purposely designed this way, so we have a 
quench pipe that accommodates this um, explosive force of rapidly essentially boiling uh, helium gas. But if a, um, a quench pipe fails uh, during a quench, um, you know, maybe you know, damaged or obstructed, that cold helium gas would now flow into the magnetic room. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, the, the different zones, but uh, the magnetic room, magnetic room is referred to as zone four. That's where the, where the magic happens. Um, and essentially, if the gas enters the room, we have an extremely hazardous condition uh, because that, that gas would essentially displace uh, oxygen uh, toward the floor and create a very uh, real and significant uh, risk for asphyxiation. Um, so the cold helium would flood the room um, and form a fog. It would be you know, very difficult to see. Um, again, the, the high pressure would also push against the walls. And so if we had inward uh, hinging doors, you know, those would be slammed shut and you would basically be trapped in the room. So these are considerations that um, are made when we're designing and building the room, but certainly need to be um, understood if you're um, working in a magnetic uh, resonance imaging facility. Um, you know, something like this could happen and you have to understand, you know, the safety measures that are in place. Um, so, um, so quenching is one of the you know, safety issues that we deal with um, because of the necessity to um, cool um, the, the uh, magnet in order for it to be superconducting. Uh, the other one, it's easier to kind of understand, is the fact that it's a very powerful magnet and putting um, you know, metal into the region of a very, very powerful magnet uh, could lead to disastrous uh, results. So we spend a fair amount of time screening for metal um, in the patient and anyone else who's entering into that uh, region in order to keep uh, both the patient um, and the technologist and other workers safe, as well as protecting um, the equipment from, from damage. So, um, so the main magnetic field um, or the main magnet um, has the, those considerations. Now, when you move into the um, gradients, the, gra the main issue with gradients is that they also carry electrical current. And unlike the main magnet, these gradients are, are subject to rapidly changing currents. So they're on and off. And, and this um, essentially is necessary because it's part of our ability to encode um, the information within a short period of time. And so this, rapidly this rapid fluctuation of uh, current uh, results in these very, very fine uh, motions uh, within the coil, and that is unfortunately audible. So you'll hear, you know, buzzing sounds or tapping sounds or knocking sounds that pop, 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 pop. So the issue here is um, we need to, you know, provide uh, some acoustical or sound protection for the patient who is, you know, lying within that that bore of the magnet. Um, so hearing protection should always be placed. Um, it also makes that the environment very loud and noisy. So having, you know, a constant visual and audio, audio uh, monitoring by the technologist is important. Um, everyone in the in the magnet is provided, you know, a little squeeze bulb um, in order to communicate with uh, the technologist if there's some issue during the during the study because it'll be very difficult to hear and and communicate, you know, without that. So, um, so that's the you know the gradient, and then finally the um, RF coils. Now. The RF coils, um, or radio frequency coils, I should say, are the transmit and receive coils, and this is what allows us to um, excite the you know magnetization within the patient's body 
um, for imaging and then allows to kind of listen and um, acquire that information um, after some period of time. And these coils, if you've spent time um, you know, setting a patient up for study, you notice that they come in different sizes and shapes, um, each um, basically designed to accommodate the various anatomic regions of interest, um, ranging from you know, full body coils to surface coils to very small um, joint or micro coils. And those are your, you know, typically your receive coils, and you want them as close to the anatomy as possible. And then there's these large you know, transmit coils or the body coils kind of built into the bore of the magnet. Um, you know, the receive coils that you have, you know, have um, you know, metal within them, and, you know, we have to make sure that um, they are positioned properly, um, that, you know, there's no coiling of these um, of coils as the, as the wire comes out of the magnet. Um, you know, the possibility of electromagnetic induction. You know, if you think back to high school physics and, you know, Faraday's law of induction, you know, we can either, you know, put a current through a coil and produce the magnet, just kind of we talked about with the, you know, mag magnetic field, or if we have a coil um, without, you know, a current in it and we put it in a large magnetic field, then we can produce a current. So, um, so that could cause heating and, um, you know, burning if it's on the patient's skin. So this brings uh, up the issue of um, thermal burns. Um, there's a variety of different, you know, possibilities that can occur. You know, the, the main one that we deal with is the issue of uh, the patient's body up against the surface of the main magnetic field. Okay, thanks, Chris. So can you tell us um, what is uh, unique uh, about MRI imaging safety as opposed to the other modalities that we may use in radiology, for example, uh, fluoroscopy, CT, or ultrasound safety? That's an excellent question, How um, I think that brings us to the most really important portion of MR safety and something that we can all as you know, radiologists and radiology residents help and educate those that you know, typically aren't around the, the MRI unit or MRI centers as often, and that is that um, the strong magnetic field of the magnet is always on. And I kind of tell the medical students when we have our you know, general elective, um, when we talk about safety, um, you know, I say that about five times. It's always on. It's always on. It is always on. And um, the MR scanners can be associated with a, a bunch of unique uh, safety issues. And although the patient is the, you know, the primary focus, typically of when we think about you know, the safety um, efforts of, um, you know, a modality. Um, there's a, a variety of other safety issues that also apply here. Um, we have the technologists, you know, that are operating the magnet. Oftentimes we have nurses that are present um, and physicians working as well if there's some sedation um, or inpatient uh, situation. Um, and many of these, you know, have some training and are around the magnet. So um, we certainly want to make sure that they're properly trained and aware but really the greater risk here is um, those other personnel who do not work in the MR environment. Um, this can include other physicians and nurses um, who are up on the floor, who don't uh, regularly inter interact with an MRI, who you know, on first look would look at it and maybe think it's a CT scanner, you know, it could have a very similar appearance. Um, Non-imaging technologists uh, who really enter the MRI suite. Um, and then you know, there's some urgent situation, then they they come into uh, you know a dangerous situation by by going into the MRI um, unit. 
And then there's also, you know, issues, you know, after hours, you know, cleaning, uh, cleaning and security personnel um, who have, you know, likely very little knowledge about um, the fact that, you know, the, the magnet is, is on regardless that there's no one there and it doesn't appear to be, um, you know, operational. Um, and, you know, bringing in some, you know, ferromagnetic material in what appears to be an otherwise innocuous uh, environment um, could be... Um, be very very bad so uh, because of all this um, you know the ACR you know put together a, a panel on MR safety and developed and continues to update um, the ACR guidelines uh, on MR safe practices and um, and out of that came um, this idea of zoning and screening and that's something that we can go into a little more detail uh, in just a bit but I think it's really important for um, us as radiologists to to be educators and and make sure that our colleagues are aware that the magnet is always on and that um, when they come in, into um, you know a an environment that they you know ask questions of the technologist or radiologist before um, you know before entering. Now, uh, what about uh, safety zones? You know, oftentimes we walk around the MRI uh, imaging area and we see these signs that say safety zone one, zone two. Uh, what, what is that all about? Yeah, of course, How um, I think that's a great question. I think anyone that spent uh, time in a radiology department, whether it's a magnet or an outpatient uh, imaging center um, or MRI center, you've probably walked by these placards, you know, zone one, zone two. Um, and so, you know, what are these zones? You know, I, anytime I you know, spend time in the magnet, I'm always humming Kenny Ligons in my head. Um, yeah, probably went over the heads of our millennials, but, um, anyways, these zones are essentially, um, key to the concept of a division of the MRI suite into progressive, uh, areas of uh, monitoring and restriction. So, you know, zone one, um, through zone four moves from, you know, unrestricted to very restricted areas. And so these, you know, each of these areas is clearly defined and uh, labeled, and each has their own kind of level of restriction um, of access to the general public as well as um, other uh, healthcare providers. Thank you, Chris. Uh, this is a good time, I think, for us to um, pause the discussion, and we will pick it up here next time. And that concludes today's episode. Thank you for listening and supporting From the Viewbox. We've attached additional reading materials to the episode notes as provided by our guest. And please visit us at www.umassmed.edu backslash radiology. Thank you to our colleagues Charlene Barron, Tom Delaney, and Dan Ramsaran for their technical assistance. See you next time.